Welcome to the Artist's Work Ethic Podcast. I'm Mike Pilak. I'm a screenwriter, actor, and filmmaker who's always looking to maximize my time and potential as I work to break in. In this podcast, I talk to artists of all kinds who have seen success in their fields about their process, habits, and work ethic. Today on the show is Lee Ellis. Lee is a UK-based artist. In London in the early 2000s, Lee discovered the world of street art. He started experimenting with stencil-based works and went by the name Elis. Banksy saw Lee's work around the East End before inviting him to release his first screen print edition through the renowned print studio, Pictures on Walls. The picture of a young girl walking a Star Wars at-at sold out quickly, establishing Elis as a favorite amongst collectors. The image has since become iconic and is considered a defining piece of the emerging art movement. I also recently launched my Substack. I'll be putting out some writing through Substack each week, and that's also how you can stay up to date on this podcast, as well as other projects I'm involved in. I hope you'll subscribe to read along at mikepelak.substack.com. That's M-I-K-E-P-E-L-A-K.substack.com. A couple quick things before we jump into the episode. I've talked in the past about myself working on breaking into screenwriting. Please check out blackoilfilms.com slash screenwriting. There you can check out some of the screenplays I've written. I have the first 10 pages of each one uploaded, but feel free to email me at theartistsworkethicpodcast at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to send you a full script if you're interested in reading. Last thing before we get into the episode... I would love anyone listening to subscribe, rate, and review the Artist's Work Ethic podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us put the show out there for more people to listen to. All right, Lee, thank you for coming on with me today. Thanks for having me, Mike. So when you first made your leap into art on like a professional basis, how Mm. confident were you in yourself and did you have any kind of backup plan? Um, I would say, well, let's think when it was, so I first started making, obviously making art as a kid, but when I first started making art properly, it was probably about 2002. And I was probably about as confident then as I am now, (laughs) you know, it's that kind of constant imposter syndrome. Um, I'm not classically trained. I didn't go to art college. Um, so everything that I do is through a process of you know making as many mistakes as possible and watching as many youtube videos as possible i mean back then early 2000s youtube wasn't really a thing so it was reaching out to various other artists or buying the the books that were out at the time and just trying to soak up as much knowledge as i could it wasn't really a confidence thing i wasn't i'm not a very confident person as such but it was just a kind of a need to i was a graphic designer at the time um, working in online media web design and i just really needed an extra avenue for creativity you know um so i was drawing a lot after work in sketchbooks and that kind of thing which is something that i've always done anyway i just moved to london and um, it was the very kind of early days of the street art scene 
Um, you know, there was kind of the very first Banksies were starting to pop up and that kind of thing. And and I, I started off as a fan and I would go around the streets of London taking photographs and documenting everything. But then it just got to the point where I was like, well, hang on, I, I, maybe I can have a go at this, you know. So that, like we chatted a second ago, the DIY punk kind of aesthetic, it was like, well, I don't know much about how to make art. I haven't made art since I was at school but I can certainly give this a go. So I kind of went and bought some paint and some basic uh, materials and just started to teach myself the method, um, reading lots of books really, because I have I have ADHD. So I like kind of using the hyper-focus, which we have, it kind of really came in useful then. So really, really studying, many people like Banksy and Logan Hicks, Chris Stain, various stencil artists, and just trying to see exactly how they were doing things. And just copying, you know, copying as many people as I could. Do you think that that mindset of I'm not going to worry about going to school for this, I'm going to just figure it out on my own and get the materials and just start making it happen. Where do you think that mindset came from for you? Um, I think it was just pure necessity. I was just I was so unfulfilled creatively. But I mean, as a kid growing up, uh, you know, I loved drawing and I loved writing stories. And so all through my childhood, I would write these, make up these stories, write the stories. And then I would illustrate, like I would draw, like a, imagine that the book was getting published. And I would draw my own book cover and I would draw the illustrations for the inside of the book. And it, that kind of thing of just like, well, just, just having a go at anything. I've always kind of had that. And again, looking back now, I think that with the ADHD thing, I think it's very, you know, your kind of interests can be scattered all over the place. And when you get into something, you really get into it. And your interests are very wide ranging, but can also be very deep as well. It, I mean, it almost sounds like you've always had some kind of a vision for where you were going once you honed in on a particular definitely, we'll call it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, when I started to get into street art um, and I started to paint both on and off the streets, I mean, I was painting stencils around East London, but I also had fairly shortly after that, I was like, well, maybe I can kind of monetize this in some way. And I opened up a little kind of market stall stroke shop um, in Camden Market in London. So all the stuff I was producing, all the stencils I was producing, a lot of them for the street, I just started to spray them on cheap bags and canvases and paper and just started to sell them as well. And then I went to one of the like the main kind of publishing houses in London, Pictures on Walls, um, who was kind of part owned by Banksy. And they used to put on these big events where they would sell their screen prints editions. It was called Santa's Ghetto. So like every year it was like a kind of, quite a dark christmas themed kind of uh fun exhibition event um artists like jamie hewlett and banksy mode two a few others um and i remember going in there for the first time and seeing well kind of discovering what a screen print edition was i didn't know but at that point and as soon as i saw that i was like that felt like the next kind of logical step was like right okay let's get into that that looks good let's do this so obviously pictures on walls are the people to you know to speak to about this so i kind of i found out where they were based in east london and i started kind of strategically placing my street art around that area in the hope that they would see 
that <laughs> and they did and it, and it worked which is great and then off the back of that we ended up having a conversation and they produced my first screen print edition so my my next thought you you may have just answered this but i was thinking you know you've you've been in the art world for for a while now hmm. i was going to ask is there something that you feel like you've done that you kind of created your own luck and set yourself maybe apart. And I do think you kind of just answered that in setting up that, that stall yourself and, and getting out into the right areas and allow yeah. that luck to kind of find you and happen. Yeah. I mean, I think it's 50, 50. I mean, I'm kind of, you know, and I've always said this, I, I think that I was lucky enough to be, making art and living in london and living particularly in east london a very specific time where street art was becoming a scene it was becoming um a thing was you know prior to that i mean obviously historically you know basquiat and people like that you know in, in new york graffiti the graffiti roots was it was huge but in terms of london and the, the actual stepping aside from graffiti in something you know the street art were wheat pastes and stencils and that kind of thing i just found myself right in the middle at just the right time um so i think i'm very very lucky in that respect i think you know anybody trying to start now they have a you know it's a much more difficult um job on their hands or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not with social media. I mean, obviously, we didn't have social media back then, so there was no Instagram. We had like um, very kind of primitive forms of like, uh, like art street art forums, stencil revolution forum, which was a big one. So you know, you would share photographs on there and have discussions with people all over the world about stencils, and you know, and that was massive, massive thing then because it's all we had. But yeah, I think it was kind of part look, but also part. Yeah, just having a solid work ethic just because of the way I've been raised uh, as family. It's similar to music, uh, you know, kind of the proliferation of Spotify and all that, where where anyone can kind of record something and mm. get it out there, you know, yeah. and then have as powerful a distribution as maybe the traditional distribution was 20 years ago. And um, it's it's interesting where it kind of democratizes it, but it also that pool became a there's a lot more people swimming in that pool now yes yeah yeah absolutely yeah but you know like the the, the, the beauty of stencils is you can cut one stencil and you can have one kind of paint and you can cover an awful lot of ground sure <laughs> in one evening if you were that way inclined um and you know you can go from nobody knowing who you are to you know having your name out there and your artwork out there overnight if if that's you know your intention you know if, you, if you're not kind of waiting for a gallery to come knocking on your door you know you can present you can meet people head on with your own work you know sidestepping that gallery and and the gatekeepers of that you know the art institution um, that's kind of what um attracted me a lot you know at the time like i never it was never like a playing a long game of um well i'm going to become a full-time artist at some point and you know that kind of happened as a byproduct of just doing something that i really enjoyed well how has the the persistence and perseverance you know that that comes along with the work ethic how has that been 
how has that impacted your career over the long term? I quickly realized that making art for me was very beneficial in terms of my kind of helping my mental health. It was very therapeutic. And I've kind of historically had, you know, slightly um, dodgy mental health from time to time. Um, And this was a real savior for me. And a lot of kind of times in my life, it was, you know, it was a reason to get out of bed, you know, get up, make the work. And it's kind of always been that way. And it's kind of one of the the, the driving forces behind what I do. It's a reason to get out of bed, get up, get in the studio, make something nice, and then share it with other people who will hopefully find it nice. But I mean, it's, you know, it's a lifelong journey now. And I think it's kind of like the more I've done, it's become more and more an, you know, a process of exploration and self-exploration, creative expression. And it very quickly just became something that I couldn't live without, really. Um, And I just became very lucky that I managed to very quickly build up quite a a decent sized collector base that allowed me to quit my kind of day job as a graphic designer and start doing this full time. So how do you today structure your day to make art, to handle the business side of it? And just manage your own personal life as well. How are you? How are you structuring yourself to kind of always be propelling yourself forward? Well, structure is like super important for me in a kind of slightly spectrum way. Like if my if my structure kind of gets shifted or is taken away from me in some way, I feel I instantly feel really insecure. Like the rug is pulled from underneath me. You know, like when we hit kind of like five or six year old, when we have school holidays and all of a sudden my usual routine is taken away from me. I am just all over the place. Um, I can't focus properly, you know. Um, and so for me, like a structure, you know, I, I get into work. You know, I drop my daughter off at school, nine o'clock. I'm in the studio at half past nine, five days a week. I work till half past five, five days a week. Um, you know, it's just a solid nine to five. This, you know, it's my job. I'm not this kind of, I don't know if it is a thing, but like, uh, you often think as the romantic idea that people have when you tell people you're an artist, oh, that must be so much fun. That's so cool. You know what I mean? It's like, well, of course it is. It is fun, but it is, um, you know, it is, it is such hard work and you have to be structured and you have to be disciplined. And, um, again, with the ADHD, like I kind of have various challenges that kind of affect my structure and I struggle with time management and things like that, um, which I'm constantly trying to find um, external tools to help with. But yeah, the structure is really important, but it's just this, you know, working class work ethic of this is your job. You go to work, you know, you do what you can to earn the money, to pay the mortgage and put food on the table. You have to show up every day. You have to show up whether, you know, this inspiration doesn't exist. You know what I mean? You can't wait around. You go in every day and you you work, you do something. You know what I mean? Like you have to you have to show up. You have to be in the studio. You can't just be sitting around in cafes sketching people wandering by. I mean, it's a lovely romantic idea, but it's not, it doesn't work for me. Like it's go to work, shut the door behind me um you know i start the day off with a 10 minute meditation which really helps and then i put my music on and then i'm pretty much flat out until i have to leave at half past five 
yeah, I mean, that's just the way it's it's always been, really. I mean, I've found as a writer that there are certainly days where, you know, I, I, I get the kids to bed and it's time to open up my computer and, and start working on, you know, a scene yeah. or whatever. And there are a lot of days where I feel like ah, this is just, you know, that, that you know, quote unquote spark or, or inspiration isn't there. But when I force, yeah. I may not have plucked that idea out of the universe or whatever mm. had i not just sat down and done the work absolutely yeah and i th you as a writer particularly it's that kind of thing isn't it of um and i think it applies to any creative process which is the shitty first draft yeah. you know what I mean? it's like kind of forgetting about perfectionism it's something i've really struggled with over the years but just starting with something you know that very rough block of clay um, and allowing yourself the freedom to, you know, the first pass of anything you're doing is, it will be shit, it'll be rough around the edges, but it's getting something down and it's just having that discipline to turn up, put pen to paper or whatever it is that you're doing, get the shitty first draft out of the way. And then that's that's the ball rolling and you've done the work for the day. Then you go in the next day, you take a look at what you did the day before and then maybe you can chisel away and refine and, you know, but I think a lot of people, me in particular, back in the day, you know, go, coming in and just being kind of frozen with that fear of, well, it has to be perfect straight off the bat, you know, and especially for someone like me, because I, I was kind of thrust into the art world, you know, fairly quickly, like the very first screen print edition I did, sold out, did really, really well. So my name as an artist went from not really many people knowing who I was to all of a sudden, being collected by a lot of people um and i think there was this preconceived idea that i was an artist i knew what i was doing where actually it was my first ever screen print <laughs> which was based on one of the first ever stencils that i made and so i was kind of learning like flying by the seat of my pants and every single day i was just like fake it till you make it making it up on the spot yeah you kind of had your first draft go public <laughs> Well, yeah, well, this is it. Yeah, yeah. And so because of that, then it kind of really, you know, affected me in a negative way that it was, you have this idea that, well, everything, like, everything has to be perfect. And I didn't, it took me a long time to realize, well, just get in, do the work. That perfection can come later if you need it to be. But just get, you know, just get the shitty first draft done. But I do and think I, uh, in, a, in a positive note, you had the, the, I'll say vision again, uh, to see that door opening and step through it, you know, and not just close it off and, and walk away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really, I don't know. It's tough. Like I don't want to over dramatize and add like a level of mysticism about it, but it, it kind of looking back now, it's, it felt like my calling, you know, I really do like there was that, that world of street art and stencils in particular. Um, they spoke to me, in a way that nothing had done previously. It was, like I said, it was the right place at the right time. And when I started to, to teach myself this thing and, and start to paint, the joy that I was getting from that process was just kind of unparalleled. Like I'd never, you know, I'm not a sporty person. I don't understand sports, <laughs> you know, and I, I didn't really, you know, my hobbies at the time were, you know, I love reading, you know, I'm, passionate about movies and watching movies and this became very quickly just one of the, another hobby another thing that i couldn't really live without and it kind of snowballed 
from there. And then the more I got into it and the more I started to teach myself about art history and and just the bigger vision of everything, you know, obviously, like I said, I didn't go to art school, so I don't have that training. Um, I just got sucked deeper and deeper into that rabbit hole and just fell deeper and deeper in love with the whole thing um, with every kind of year that went by. Awesome. Anything that you want to plug <clears throat> before we go? Oh, let me think. Um, not really. I, mean, I guess just my website, elus.art, where you can buy my prints and you can see my work. There's kind of older work on there, new work. Now, there's a few things with various galleries, but if you follow me on Instagram, you know, that's the best place really to kind of keep on top of um, everything that I'm doing in and out of the studio, any gallery shows and that kind of thing. So elus.art on Instagram or elus.art is my website. Um, so yeah, take a look. Awesome. Well, Lee, thank you for coming on with me today. I appreciate it, Mike. Good to chat. Thank you so much for listening today. Please subscribe to the Artist Work Ethic podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and please rate and review the show. Follow us on Instagram at the Artist's Work Ethic and check out theartistsworkethic.com.